0: Uh, In case you wondered, I'm going to do a little promo for what we actually are. There's lots of people here at our church. I don't think they really know what the EMCC is. The EMCC is our denomination. That's who we are. Evangelical Missionary Church of Canada. So we have 141 congregations all the way across Canada, BC, all the way out to the East Coast. Um, We have two colleges, Emmanuel Bible College, which is down in Kitchener. That's where I graduated from. And then we have Rocky Mountain Bible College out in Alberta, so two colleges. Um, Actually, the one in Emanuel is an accredited college now, so you can transfer your courses around. If you want to do mountaintop there, your courses will actually transfer into other schools quite nicely. So you could do one year there and then head into another school to be trained even more. That would be great. We also have six camps in our camping arm of our denomination is called Evergreen Christian Ministry, so we have six camps, two here in Ontario. One is in Stainer, and one is uh, Camp Mishawa, and then we have four more camps out west. Uh, the missions arm of our denomination is called World Partners. We work directly in 15 countries, but we work indirectly in a lot more countries, so uh, we partner with a lot of other organizations, so when you see Ethnos, that's one of the partnering organizations, so If you look on the prayer letters that come from World Partners, it'll say right on there. And if you look on the website, you'll actually see Dave and Deb's name on the website because they're through Ethnos, so then it goes through. You probably didn't even know that, did you? (laughs) So yeah, they're on the website there. So uh, that's just a little snapshot about our denomination, about who we are. In about a month's time now, we're going to be celebrating Anniversary Sunday here, which is uh, a week ahead of normal. The reason we're doing it a week ahead of normal is because Claren Martin, our regional minister, is going to be coming to speak to us. And so he's pushed his holidays off a couple of days and we've moved up a week just so that we can work together and have him here. So if you have any questions about our denomination whatsoever, Claren is the guy to talk to. He's a great guy to just sit down and visit with. Um, I actually really like chatting with him because he's raised on the farm and he just has that way about him that he's really nice to talk to, you know. If you don't know what I mean, sorry. <laughs> so, since it's uh, assembly this weekend, um, Kirvin Roggets, who is our national president, sent out a video for all of the churches to show um, to their congregation. So we're going to be doing a little bit of that this morning, but I didn't think we needed to show the whole video that he was going to be, that he wanted us to show this morning. So we're going to be working through his outline, we're going to be working through his passages, and... Uh, I'm going to be using a little bit of some of his video too. So um, I think it's good for us to be learning alongside of the other churches in our denomination. So that's why we're doing it this way this morning. What they're learning, we're also learning and we're growing together as a larger church family, not just as our church family. So this morning we're going to be working through John 15, 1-17. I've actually preached on that passage before. So if you were reading or listening to that this morning and were thinking... Rob's rehashing the sermon that he already did. I'm not. It's a different one this morning. So so here we go. How many of you guys have ever been into a showroom? So what I'm talking about here is if you're buying a car, um, in my experience anyways, when we buy cars, we go to that row in the back or the second back, back there, you know, and then that smooth-talking salesman comes out and he kind of gets us into the showroom. You never notice how the fancy cars are in the showroom, the ones that... You'd never want to leave them outside. That's one showroom. The second showroom that I I was thinking of was a jewelry store showroom. There's actually quite a science to laying out uh, jewelry, especially for those guys who are looking to buy engagement rings. You really don't want to be in there all that long, do you? I remember buying one for Ange. And honestly, it was one of those ones where I want this together with this, and I was in and out of that store, paid for and everything in 15 minutes. So that's what you want to do. So these guys know what they're doing. Or maybe you were at a, f- a furniture showroom. Angie and I were out looking at furniture a couple weeks ago and got a really extreme case of sticker shock there. I'm telling you, pure gold underneath the seats there. It was amazing. Or for some of you other guys, maybe you're standing at the parts counter out right here in Tractor or the parts counter at uh, McGavin's and you can see the new paint sitting outside. I love new paint. Or maybe you're walking through a shopping mall and you see that outfit that would look pretty good on you, but uh, there it is in the showroom. So I don't know what you think of this, but I think that we we are actually showrooms ourselves. We're showrooms for Jesus, right? That's what we are. So many of us are showrooms, and this is how I know that we are. Many of you guys, not all of you, but most of you probably looked in the mirror this morning before you walked out the door right? You're a showroom. You care what people think about you. Or maybe um, you get job performance reviews. Or maybe you get report cards. You're judged academically, right? Or maybe you clean your house before somebody comes over. You are judged, right? You think you are judged by the cleanliness of your home. We are all showrooms. And Jesus knew that we were going to be showrooms for him. He knew that we would be on display. He knew that he was on display all the time. So this is what he says. He says, come follow me. Come imitate me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. As you have seen me do, go and do likewise. Or when he was in the upper room washing his disciples' feet, he said, you will be blessed if you go and do likewise. So we are called to live a life on display for Jesus. He calls us to be a showroom for him. So we're going to do this in two ways. First, it's a show me, and the second way is a show up for me. Show me and show up for me. So the first one is actually a request. I hope you kept your Bibles open. This morning we are in, well, we're in John. So let's begin with uh, verse 8. It says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. So let's just unpack this one just a little bit. Glory here in this original language is it means because of the reputation of God, he is worthy of utmost praise and honor. Because of the reputation of God, he is worthy of utmost praise and honor. So he is worthy to be glory to have all the glory, and he is worthy to be exalted above all else. Not because of what he did, not because of anything else of other than because of who he is. So he is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. So just for that reason alone, he's worthy of praise. So that's what it means, the glory of God right there. The glory of God is the goodness and the greatness of God. So when the judge enters a room and the bailiff calls out, all rise, everyone stands up. Right? We stand up because we are out of respect for the person who is representing the law. That's why we stand up. So, How much more should we be giving God the respect that he deserves because he is so much more worthy of honor and praise? We do this by living like Jesus and being like Jesus in our attitudes, behaviors, and character. I know you guys have heard that already many, many times. right? Our attitudes, behaviors, and character. I'm learning to be like Jesus. right? So let's think back to Exodus 33. This is Moses right here. So just before he gets the Ten Commandments for the second time around. Um, God had told him how disappointed he was with his Israelite people. Um, He threatened to destroy them, and then Moses steps in and intervenes for his people. And this is what he says. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. So if you notice in this passage, this is the yearning of Moses right here the yearning is teach me continue to find favor with me and be pleased with me what we're learning about here is just that yearning to be with God right he longs Moses longed to be in God's presence so much so that he asked for a face to face with God and God said no that was not possible you will not live if you see me face to face this is instead what he says when my glory passes by I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand, and you will see my back, but my face you must not see. God's glory passed right in front of Moses, and his life was forever changed. He literally radiated God. He literally had to wear a veil over his face because he glowed. That's just how it was. Um, I think that would make just an amazing difference in our life if we could just get a little glimpse of God's glory, and I think we do get glimpses of God's glory from time to time. I think we need to be seeking those and watching for those and asking for those. Um, God's glory is tied to His goodness, and this is what He wants to be revealed through us. So, if you look back into this John passage, these first seven verses, you get this clear picture of what the show me life look, looks like. So, the first thing that this show me life looks like is it looks like a pruned life or a corrected life. This is a life where God is able to cut out the things that don't bear fruit, and he's able to cut out the things that are not honoring to him. So that's sin, right? Things that don't honor God, that's sin. The second thing is we would live an attached life. This means remain, stay, abide, live, dwell, last, endure, continue. It carries this idea of patiently waiting and seeking God and attaching to him. Limbs don't grow on their own, right? We need to be attached to God. We grow from that. The third thing we'll find out here is that uh, a growth life means that we're bearing fruit. So that means people can see Jesus through our lives. They can see that I love God and that I love others. That's what they can see. And if the answer to this is uh, yes, then that means growth. If the answer to this is no, then that means we go back to the pruning stage and the attachment stage. We need to understand who God is and be attached to him and growing in him. So Radiant Life, as we read through John 15, 1-7, you'll see eight times where it says abide, or some of your Bibles are going to say remain. This means to have that intimate relationship with Jesus. The word abide here would mean, is more like an invitation. It means show me more of you. Show me your heart. Show me how to love others as you love them. Jesus, this is a request. Show me more of you. Show me more of your heart. Show me more of how to love those people around me. The single most important thing we can do would be to show, would be that Jesus would show himself to us and through us. And the best way that we can actually do that is to be heading into that solitary place. That's what Jesus did. He spent time away with the Father, he spent time just learning from Him, right? Pastor Phil, if he was here, he would be asking you, How are you getting along at reading through your Bible in the year? I must admit I'm not doing so good, but Olive Tree just came out with this little part of their app that will actually read the Bible to you, so there's no more wasted time in the truck. It's actually really nice. So maybe it's listening to the Bible. Maybe it's spending time alone with God. That's what it really means, that solitary place. Jesus did it, we should do it. Jesus said it, we should say it. Jesus loved that way, that's how we should be loving too. A radiant life means a life that Jesus shines through. And that's a request. We should be asking him to shine through us all the time. We cannot do this on our own. This is God, the Holy Spirit, coming through us. Leads us to our second point. All right, that's right. Two points today, that's it. So Isaiah 61, you can read it up there if you like, or Isaiah 61 in your Bible. This is the NIV version here. I'll read it for you. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim, proclaim freedom for the captives and a release from the darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion and to bestow on them a crown of, crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities and they will that have been devastated by generations. Strangers will shepherd their flocks, foreigners will work their fields and vineyards, And you will be called priests of the Lord. And you will minister, you will be named ministers of God. And you will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. So you will inherit a double portion of the land, and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting Covenant with them. Their descendants will be among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All will see who will see them will acknowledge that they are the people that the Lord has blessed. They are the people that the Lord has blessed. So if you look at the passage, you're gonna see five different people that we are called to love. If you look up here, you'll see them actually in red, I highlighted them for you. So we are first of all called to love the poor. This includes people not only who are poor in monetary means, but this is also people who are outcast. Um, anybody who goes to school, you'll know people at school who are kind of pushed off to the side, not loved like they should be. Right? So we are called to those people. We're called to the poor. The second people we are called to is we are called to the, the brokenhearted. And I like the way that this, this uh, says it in here. It actually carries this, this idea of gathering them up and caring for them. Gathering them up, like putting your arm around them. And, and caring for them. The third person, now the third group of people that we're called to love are the captives and the prisoners. So these are people who are held captive by sin. Uh, we're called to bring them God's love. We're called to bring them the love of Jesus. That is the only thing that will free them from their sin. The only thing. The fourth group of people we're called to love is those who are mourning and grieving. Um, we are called to comfort those who are mourning, and that often just means. Our presence. You don't have to go in knowing all the answers. You don't have to go in knowing exactly what to say all the time. It's a presence thing. We need to be there for them. The, third, they're the fifth group of people is those who are in despair. Uh, we are called to love those who are in despair and bring them joy. And that's not our joy. That's not our, us trying to impart joy on them. That's God's joy right there. Showing them that he is worthy of praise. So have you ever had one of those rough days? Right? When... When it's just not going good, coffee maker breaks, all that kind of stuff. You ever had one of those days, but somebody gives you a phone call, and it's a good day, right? Or um, somebody, or God shows up, right? And he, he shows you how much he loves you. He shows you, for me anyway, head out into the bush, and you get to see his presence right there. You get to see his creation. We see him through that. Or maybe it's a rough day, and suddenly... Like there's some worship music that comes on and it can change your day. Right? We're called to be those kind of people to others. We're called to bring that to those who are in despair. But the funny thing is, is when you're looking at this list, we can see other people like that, but we're actually, we can see ourselves in this list too, can't we? Right? There are times where we are poor, we are in despair, we are all of those things. right? So it's okay for us to be people who are receiving love too, Right, So if you're having a rough day, it's okay to, to call your friend. It's okay to put on that worship music. We should be receiving love and giving love. It's a both-and thing. Second thing that we find in this passage, and they're all highlighted in blue here, is these. this is our job description. So first of all, we are called to be proclaimers of the good news. Right, Not just our words, but both words and actions. The second thing we are called to be is an oak of righteousness. So I did a little bit of digging on this one. These oaks in Palestine would have been about 50 feet tall and 50 feet wide. So they're a pretty big tree. But they didn't have uh, winter over there like we have here. So they were green all year round. And it's the desert. So they're living in really, really rough conditions too. These trees are massive in a desert. So that's what we're called to be, right? We're called to be an oak of righteousness. So we're called to be a safe place. We're called to be a place that's fruitful and we're supposed to be a place of, of just deep roots. Deep roots meaning we're supposed to be drawing our strength from God, right? Protective, drawing strength from God, and just fruitful, fruitful. The next thing we're called is a priest of the Lord. So a priest was a representative of God, of God to the Israelites. We are called to be his representatives every day. And finally, we are called descendants, meaning we're adopted into his family. We are known as his people. We are known as people that the Lord has blessed. Um, Notice it says people here, not just persons, not just an individual. We are known as a group of people, a congregation of people. If you look in that John passage too, it's the same. That word, you, is actually a plural you, not just an individual you. It's like a y'all. You all are called to do this. So we are called to be like Jesus corporately. We are called to reach the poor corporately. We're called to reach the brokenhearted corporately. We're called to reach the captives corporately, right? Jesus came for those in need. He also came for us too. So um, I thought I would uh, let you guys see what Kervin looks like. Kervin's going to kind of bring these
1: two points together for us for a couple minutes. He said, I've not, you have not chosen me. I chose you. I chose you and I've appointed you to be about my Father's business. Notice he uses the word be, be my disciples. Be comes before do in living a radiant life. We get too focused on doing as followers of Christ and not enough time focusing on who we're becoming. Remember, Moses showed us that this yearning, this longing to, for God to show me. Show me yourself. Show me how beautiful you are, how wonderful you are, how strong you are. I yearn to know you in a deeper and higher way. That's what it means to be a disciple. And then we move into doing. Show me oh God and show up in me so that I can show others this is the picture that Jesus is giving to us I want to illustrate that for you I'd like you to imagine that you're in a rowboat with me and a rowboat has two oars doesn't it let's call the one oar show me the longing for intimacy with Jesus and the other is called show up in me show up for me now which oar is more important than the other they're both important, aren't they? What happens if you just pull on one oar? What if we just just go like this, don't we? But some of us do that uh, more than we ought to. It's all about my relationship with Jesus and intimacy with Jesus, and that's important, isn't it? The solitary place is important. Going into the tent of meeting is important. But Jesus never stayed in the solitary place, and Moses didn't live in the tent of meeting. They started pulling on the other oar, show up for me and in me. And as they pulled on these oars, as we pull on both of these oars, what happens to us? We gain momentum, don't we? And our life begins to move. And others begin to notice that we're showing up for them. And they're attracted not to us, but they're attracted to to the God who is inside of us. To the God who rides with us. In that boat. And we do that together. We row together in life. That's where, That's what you're about as a congregation. That's where, what we're about as an evangelical missionary churches of Canada. So the question really comes now. Uh, how are we doing at that? How are we doing at crying out to God, show me more of you. How are we doing at crying out to God, show up for me? How are we doing at watching God show up for others? How are you doing at that personally, inside and outside of your church? How are we as a denomination doing at setting people free how are we doing it being a Luke 4, 18 and 19 church where Jesus was quoting Isaiah 61? Do you know that anything short of building the church of Jesus Christ his way is failure? Oh, that might be a hard truth for us to hear. But it is true. It doesn't mean that we have to be achieving it in perfectly, but are we striving toward that? Anything short of building the church of Jesus Christ his way is failing. Anything short of walking in the ways of Jesus in the place where you are planted Hmm. will leave people unsaved. It will leave people unhealed. It will leave people unfree from demonic bullying. It will leave people unable to see clearly what is truth from untruth. It will leave people experiencing unjust treatment. It will leave them feeling unloved by God. It will leave them unfruitful in their lives. Anything short of walking in the ways of Jesus will leave the people that you love and care about in a place where they're not experiencing the fullness of the goodness and beauty and strength and... Cut it off just a touch early.
0: Fullness and strength of God. That's what he's talking about there. Pretty uh, pretty big thing, The pretty big shoes to fill, it feels like to me, doesn't it? All right. But if we're trying to do that on our own strength, we'll never do it on our own strength. It's the Holy Spirit working in us that gives us the strength to minister to other people. It gives us the strength to reach out to the community around us. So there's a few things that we need to do in response to this. The first one is the thing that comes between us and showing God, God's glory through us is sin. If we have sin in our lives, that gets in the way of our relationship with God. It's like we're building a wall and the wall gets bigger and bigger, and we put it there. God didn't put it there. He, he longs for us to come and talk to him about it. And he will take that wall down as we confess our sins to him. That's the first one. The second thing that we need to repent of is neglect. How many people have we, we walked by and uh, didn't show them that love that Jesus has? So my excuse often is, I'm too busy to talk, or I'm too busy to help that person, or I'm too busy, you fill in the blank. It's not just me, I know. It. There's lots of us that are like this. But those are opportunities that are missed, that get by us, right? I am so thankful that in spite of my failings, God's mission continues anyways, right? It's not up to me. God's going to do it, right? He just gets, we just get to be part of what he has for us. Jesus took every opportunity to love other people, and we must do that too, corporately and personally. And the second thing is here that we should be doing is we should be paying attention. Pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Um, President Kervin really put it out there when he ended his illustration. If we're not living in a way that is honoring to God, we're actually sending people a message that is contrary to Jesus' message. So it's a big thing to think about today. Uh, it's a good thing to think about too. And uh, if you want somebody to talk to you after the service, we're going to have a couple of prayer people up here. You can come up and just spend some time with them talking to God and... Uh, Yeah, let's have the worship team come up this morning and uh, we'll close off.